Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. If you don't know me, if you're your first time at C3 Tugra, I'd like to welcome you here. A very warm welcome um, to our house, to our congregation, to our church, and uh, just explain a little bit, a little bit about who we are. We're just, we're just normal people who love Jesus Christ. Okay, and with with that, Jesus has done something incredible with most of our lives. Um, some of us are still a work in progress, but we're just normal people who love Jesus Christ. And so if you're here for the first time and you're thinking, well, this is a little bit strange, it's a little bit different, that's fine. Just stick around afterwards, have a cup of coffee, get to know us, and I promise you that we are quite normal and we're not as strange as people think we are as Christians, believe it or not. Uh, this morning, uh, the theme of this month actually is God is in control. And uh, Pastor Phil started it off last Sunday morning with a, with a great foundation lay and Luke carried on and talked about how the church is moving forward and, and just painted a really big picture of what God is doing. And, and that's really good. It's good that, God, uh, that people do that because sometimes we get caught up in our own little world and our own little wild and our own little son that we forget that God is doing something absolutely incredible on this earth right now in the church. So it's always good to hear these messages because it reminds me that we are part of something big, that we're not just a and you know, we're a part of something incredible, the greatest plan that God has for this earth, and that is to build his church. And the idea of building the church is so that people like you and I can come and be touched, be filled, be, uh, and experience God, okay? Because there are a lot of uh, things out there that you, can, you, you hear about. There's a lot of gods that you talk about, but I believe our God is supposed to be experienced. I believe our God, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, came to be experienced. So I love the church for that reason that you can come and actually experience God. Even if it's just the peace, even if it's just the peace of God, that alone is worth, oh, I don't know. But I'll tell you, when I've got a busy week and I walk in here and there's worship on, the peace of God. I could go home straight after that. I can go, after, go home straight after that. But um, I believe, like I said, we are part of something absolutely amazing. Now, um, the, the, the whole theme, God is in control, when Pastor Phil preached and, and Luke Boyd preached, they're very smart gentlemen. They're very, they're very smart men, and they use words more than three syllables, which is way more than me. You know, they, they're, they're really smart men. And I heard Luke Boyd, we, we went to go and visit someone the other day, and I heard him talking with Jono at the back there. And they were, just, were watching the footy, right? And these guys are having a conversation about cosmos into black holes. Get, oh, my gosh. Seriously, I heard them over here and I thought, man, I'm never going to have a conversation with those two ever in my life. Because they just had me confused at, 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 the, at, the, at the start of go. Seriously. Some of the, what were you talking about? Quantum physics or something? Crazy? And they're just blurting it out like this. And, and so when these guys preached this message and I, and I was to follow, I thought, oh my gosh, oh, you know, I, I, can't, I can't follow that sort of thing because that's not who I am. And so I wanted to talk about, if you'd, if you'd permit me, I wanted to talk about the whole idea that God is in control of your purpose, or that God is in control of your future. I thought I'd relate, I thought I'd relate to my own life and thought, what is 
God be in control of, and I've always known that God has been in control of my calling, of my purpose, of my future. And um, in my walk with, with God along this thing, I've been going with God since, ooh, what's the year now? Uh, 14 years now. I've been a Christian for 14 years. Before I was a Christian, I was just a knockabout bloke who, who enjoyed doing knockabout bloke things and, and you know, stuff like that. And, um, and apparently, you know. Um, and, so, and so when I had an encounter with God and he gave me a purpose, something shifted in my world. So I want if to, if I may, walk with you through that and also uh, possibly gain some tips from some people in the Bible who have done this quite well. Um, we all need someone to look up to, and uh, so we'll, we'll do that earlier. Now, let me just lay a foundation of uh, what the Scripture says about our future or purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, that's what Jesus, I have a plan for you, and it's to give you a future and I hope. I love this. Romans 8.28. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I'm going to rock and roll a little bit. I love this one here. Isaiah 14.24. The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. As I, and as if I have purposed, so shall it stand. I love that. As I, as I have planned, so shall it be. As I have purposed, so shall it so shall it stand. And first off, the, right at the start, I just want to get a foundation laid and, and I want everybody in this room to understand that God has a plan for you. Okay? Everybody in this room, that God has a plan and a purpose and a future for you. There's no exemptions. There's no exceptions, I should say, to that rule. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Everyone says amen. Who believes it? Four people, 10 people. I love it. I love it. For some of you guys, it's to be a teacher or a pastor. For some of you guys, it's to be an evangelist or, or a preacher. For some of you, like Mary, your, your, your call, your, your purpose is to raise a child that would significantly impact the world, right? For some of you, it's uh, to be a father to the fatherless. That's your purpose. You've been called to be a father to the fatherless because who knows, we live in a world that needs fathers, amen? And I look at Tim McGraw and I say that, such a man of wisdom. And, and some of you, even some of you guys, and I look at some of, the youth, some of the young youth leaders, you're supposed to be like John the Baptist. You are actually on this earth to prepare a way for somebody else. There's different callings, and we all have them. We've all got different callings, but you have one. You've got something significant to do, something significant to do, some purpose to fulfill that God has given you. I don't know what it is, um, you, and I'm hoping that you do. But some of you guys are thinking, whenever I say this question, especially to young people, I say, you were called to do something. God has purposed something for your life. There is a plan for you. And generally, the first question is, well, I don't know what the plan is for me. Some of you think, I have no idea what God has called me to do. Well, the good news is, just keep doing what you're doing. If you don't know what you're called to do, just keep doing what you're doing. When David, the greatest king of all, of all time, was called, what was he doing? He was just doing what he was doing. I was a shepherd, he just... I'm just going to do what I've been called to do and see God while I'm at it. Are you with me? If you don't know what you've been called to do, can I just encourage you, just keep doing what you're doing and seek God. Just keep doing what you're doing and seek God. When Mary was called to have the, 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 the Son of God, what was she doing? She wasn't preaching no sermon. She was just doing what she was doing and seeking God. If you don't know what your call is, it's okay. It's, it's okay. 
just keep what you're doing and uh, it'll come to you. For, for David, they sent a messenger. For Mary, there was an angel. I don't know. Maybe Garth will come and talk to you a little bit later and say, hey. I don't know. He's pretty, you know, he's the same, you know what I mean? But the deal is, be encouraged that you have been called to something. I want to lay that foundation blank right now. You guys, young man, what's your name, young man? Tom, you are called to something great, my friend. You are called to something incredible. I don't know if anyone's told you, but I'm telling you right now, God has got something beautiful and incredible for you to do in this life. And um, I want you to hold on to that for the rest of your life, that God has got something for me. doesn't matter how old you are. You're pretty good looking, so that, you know, it's all good. But um, I was going to say something else, but you, you covered that. Um, but God has got something beautiful, beautiful for every single one of us. So the first thing I want you to understand is, firstly, that where you've come from and where God has called you to be. Okay, it's, it's, it's very important that you understand where you've come from, and secondly, where God has called you to be. If you don't understand these two principles, you may struggle, and I'll, and I'll explain why. When you understand where you come from and where God has called you to be, it gives you purpose. Are you with me? So I've seen being a youth pastor, I've seen young people who, have, who know where they come from, but they don't quite know where they're supposed to be. So when they walk this Christian life, soon as something hits them, I'm out of the race. I'm not into it. You get what I'm saying? I, I don't know what I'm going, I'm, I'm out of here. This is too hard. You get what I'm saying? But when you understand, when you understand what God has called you to be or what God has called you to, it keeps you strong. It's like this anchor in the future that keeps me on the right path. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? And I've, um, and I've, I've, from a young age, from a young Christian age, when, when, I, when, I, when I came into church and someone told me, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to do this, I was told, luckily, pretty early. And um, throughout my Christian walk, that one thing has kept me on the right path. It's something in the future that I haven't attained yet, but it's kept me on the right path. You've got to understand what you've called to do. You've got to understand because that will get you through the journey of life, through all the knocks and bangs, and it'll get you there. Yeah, you got with me? Because the Christian walk is like this. You start here, you're called to something over there, I guarantee you walk along and bang, you get hit with something. Whether, who understands what I'm talking about? Oh, so you've got a bit of a hit over here. So you're walking along a little bit more with a funny shoulder, and then bang, you get another hit by something. Life, whatever. Now you've got two sore shoulders, but you still keep limping on looking at that beautiful thing that God has called you to do. All of a sudden, bang, you get hit somewhere else. But you keep going because there's a thing in front of you that calls me and compels me to move forward. Are you with me? So I keep going. Now I'm a little bit hurt. I'm a little bit jolted. I'm a little bit funny. All of a sudden, there's some friends who seem to be on the same path as me. And then they start going over there. And I start wondering and realize, no, 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 no. I can't go down this path because it's not where I'm going. This is where I'm called to be. Maybe if you're single, you're hanging around with some guys and you're a bit lonely and, and then this gentleman comes across, he's pretty smooth and a bit like Luke Boyd, pretty smooth and got a, got a, got a good thing going on. He starts to lead you over here. I'm telling you, when you know your purpose, it pulls you back into line. He says, no, I'm going for something. You've got to understand that you, you've got to understand and keep in front of you what God has called you to do because it'll keep you on the straight and narrow. Amen. I often tell my youth leaders, read your prophecies. Read your old prophecies, what people have spoken over you. Read what God has said you are going to be because it realigns you onto the right path. Sometimes we get knocked about, we get beaten up, we get all these kind of things, but when you put that thing in front of you, no, God has called me to do this thing, you get through it all, right? The funny thing is when you get here, 
you're now different to when you started. When you started, you were all pretty and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Over here, you're beaten up, you funny little walk, you were crazy, you know what I'm saying? When you get there, you are a completely different person to who you were when you started. Completely different person. And that point, I want to say this thing. You cannot underestimate the importance of the journey. You cannot underestimate the importance of the journey. Yes, you will get knocked around. Sorry, that's life, isn't it? I don't know if anyone's walked through life perfectly. Anybody? No? Okay, cool. You will get knocked around. You will, life will throw some bangers at you, and life throws some pretty good ones, right? Life will do something. But I'm telling you, unless you go on the journey, you'll never be the person you need to be to fulfill the call on your life, okay? Unless you go through the struggle, you'll never, ever be capable enough to do the thing that God has called you to do. Because through the struggle, the gold comes through. Through the fire, you're refined. You get what I'm saying? Okay, so embrace the journey. I know that's a hard thing to say. I know that's a hard thing to hear. Embrace the journey. Embrace the journey. It is actually good. God is actually in control. Hmm. Hang on, you don't know what's happening in my life. No, I don't. But I do know God is in control. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I do know God is in control. And sometimes life will throw you some doozies. Don't get off the path. Don't get off the path because those doozies will shape you. Those doozies will form you. They will do a brand new thing in you. So when you get there, you're actually ready to do what God has called you to do. It's not a nice message to hear. Sorry. Okay. It's true. See, when you get here, you're broken, but you're transformed. Because along the way, you've learned that God is my identity, not me. You get what I'm saying? When you get here, you're broken, but you're equipped and empowered because along the journey, you've learned the lesson that God is my provider. He's my strength. Are you with me? When you get here, you're broken, completely broken, you know, but you're liberated because you understand that God is the source of everything in your life. Absolutely liberated. You're a completely different person. Broken, but liberated. Broken, but empowered. Broken, you get what I'm saying? So broken over this age here, and you think, oh my goodness, but you're a completely different person ready to do what God has called you to do. So, one little word, embrace the brokenness. Sounds strange, embrace the brokenness. Now, I was was talking to my wife about this word, and we're trying to figure out what word I could substitute for brokenness, because it's a bit of a hard word to brokenness, you know, to preach in front of a congregation. But I've just got a little definition here, brokenness. The general sense that a person is malleable, humble, submitted to God's sovereignty, it's, re- it's referring to those who have no deep pridefulness or arrogance. The journey will change you. The journey is actually good for you. The journey hurts, yes, but in the journey, you discover God. In the journey, you discover God. And that is the purpose. Yeah, that, that's what we're all about. Amen? Now, now, there's a few guys who, who had a call. Uh, when a few, I just want to give us some examples of some guys who, who uh, got a call, had a bit of a journey, but eventually got there. Is that cool? Yeah. So, Joseph. What about Joseph? Where's, where's my notes? There he is. Joseph. He started off with a dream. God gave him this dream. He's got this dream. Woohoo! 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He tells his brothers, woohoo, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I've got this amazing thing. You guys are going to bow down to me. It's going to be amazing. Next minute, he's sold as a slave. Amen. There's that journey straight off. Next minute, he's sold as a slave. Secondly, he's accused of rape. Is that true? No. Thirdly, he's thrown into prison. At that point, would you be freaking out? Okay, God shows me this dream. He gives me this purpose. I start on my journey. Oh, my God, sold as a slave. Right? Are you with me? Then he goes along accused of rape. Oh, now he's in jail, right? Seemingly things God is not in control. Seemingly God is not, doesn't know what he's doing, but God is in control. God is always in control. Doesn't matter how ugly it gets. Doesn't matter how out of sorts you think it is. God is in control. And if you would let him allow you to walk you through the, the journey, you will find that you will get to where you've got to go to. Right? Is this okay? What about Abraham? Way past his years of giving birth, God says, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna give birth, you're going to be a father of many nations. Say, what? Father of many nations? Are you seeing this thing? Like, seriously. But he, he, he goes through the trial of time itself. He's sitting there waiting, getting older, getting wrinklier, getting more frail, thinking, how am I going to be the father of looking like it's impossible? What happens? God comes through. God comes through. I'm trying to get to this point where you've got to understand when things sometimes seem like they're out of control, God is actually in control. It's just the journey. It's just the journey. You've got to ask the question, what is this journey or what is this, what are, whatever you're in right now, what am I going to learn from this thing? Okay, there's something in this part of this journey that God wants me to learn so that when I get here, I'm ready for it. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You're like, what, what, what kind of word? That's a crazy word. What about Jacob? He gets the whole birthright and everything, but he, along the part of his journey, he actually wrestles with God. By the time he gets there, he's walking differently. Right? right? Complete different walk. Completely different walk. You've got to understand, church. Please, please, do not despise the journey. Do not despise the journey. Though it may be up and down, hard and soft, do not despise the journey. It's actually good for you because it'll actually make you turn to God. It'll make you turn to Him, which is what He wants. He says, I am your provider. If you're going through financial struggle now, all our God is asking is turn to me because I am your provider. If you're struggling with stuff, God's saying, turn to me. Come to me, as that song says. Come to me, I am your strength. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I do know God is saying, come to me. I will get you through it, and I am in control. I want to talk about uh, David, if that's okay. I want to talk about David and his quick story, and I'm going to take the liberty of, of, of thinking that you guys have heard of King David and, and how he was a shepherd boy. Uh, I'll just roughly go through his story. He's a shepherd. He's, a, he's the youngest of all the brothers. So he's, he's got no leadership qualities, really, because there's no one to lead. They're all above him. You know what I mean? He's the youngest of the youngest. He's got no leadership quality. He's out there looking after sheep. He's out there looking after whatever goats or whatever he had. And so he gets called. He gets called. So he's just doing what he's doing. Someone sends him. He says, you've got to come. The prophet wants to talk to you. So he goes, and the prophet says, oh, mate, uh, just got something to tell you. We've got a king at the moment, but God's kind of rejected him, and you're the next guy. David goes, oh, yeah, right, the shepherd boy out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, I'm the next king. He says, yeah, yeah, you're the next king. Come here. So he anoints him king without moving the old king from his position. So you have a king in the position, an anointed king coming up through the, through, the, through the ranks. 
And so the anointed little David, he gets, uh, he gets asked to go down to, to uh, take some food to his brothers because the king Saul, he's, with, uh, he's got an army and he's fighting the Philistines. And, and, uh, and, and, and so David's dad sends him. Funny thing is, is once David gets anointed, he gets told to go back. Okay, just, he doesn't elevate him. He's just, okay, you're anointed. Yep, see you later, mate. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. He wasn't elevated. He wasn't, woohoo. And sometimes we get like that. Sometimes we get prophesied over and we think, yeah, let's go. And the pastor says, no, no, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Well, but, but what? Didn't you hear what they said I'm supposed to do? No, just keep doing what you're doing. And so he says, keep doing what he's doing. And, and, he, gets, and he gets sent to go and take some food to his brother. And we know the story. Goliath rises up and um, he's, you know, challenging the, the, the army. And uh, I love his, this young, young up, upcomer. He says, Who's this guy? Everyone's scared, and this young little fella, like Garth. <laughs> Garth and I have a running joke. He's a warrior in a little man's body. Because whenever I see him, he's you know, giving me these things. And... So he's this little guy. He comes up, and he's like, and this giant's like got the whole army in fear. And he goes, who is this guy? He says, I'll take him. I'll take him out. Isn't it the beautiful arrogance of youth? Yeah, I'll take him out. Bring him out here. And the king goes, really? Yeah, 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 I'll take him out, mate. Just give me a shot. And the king goes, yeah, wear my armor. Take my sword. No, I don't need that. I've got a stone. I've got a sling. Give, me, give, give it to me. Yeah. I love it. So he goes out to, to, uh, to face this giant. The giant goes, yeah, you're this little runt, you know. Da, 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 da. Who do you think you are going to Nairobi, going to start a church? Who do you think you are going to go and do all these kinds of things? And the beautiful thing is, is this young David runs toward this giant. Runs toward him. Woo! With the war cry, I don't know what they do in Nairobi. But they're running toward him. He runs toward this giant, flings a stone, and kills him. Everyone goes, mate, this young kid's amazing. He's anointed. He's pretty good looking. <laughs> he's good looking. Oh, I gave you enough time there. Gee, you're slow. Um, he's good looking. And, and so he goes into the, and, and, and all of a sudden, people start looking up to this David guy. Meanwhile, the, the current king, King Saul, looks at him and gets a little bit envious. Long story short, he gets a little bit jealous and starts throwing spears at him. I don't like you. Get out of my kingdom. You're freaking me out. People are liking you and not me, an insecure leader. So he starts throwing spears at this guy. David runs off and basically, long story short, he runs and he fears for his life for around about 13 years. 13 years from the call to when he became the actual king, he ran, hiding in caves, doing all these sorts of things, but he ran for 13 years. That was his journey. Someone download, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, how long have I been doing this for? <laughs> He's been running for 13 years, and he finally achieves his purpose, finally gets the thing, finally gets going on. And I want to read a little bit about uh, just a little passage where David, where, 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 where this interaction between David and King Saul. King Saul's trying to kill David now. He's throwing spears at him. He's chased him down. He's got armies chasing after him, and he's trying to kill him. And the beautiful thing is, I want to read just, if you wouldn't mind, turn to your Bibles to 1 Samuel 24, verse 1, and we'll go all the way to 7. I'm going to start reading straight away because uh, it's a long bit of scripture. Now, it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi, whatever it's called. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the, of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went into the cave to attend to his needs. He went to the bathroom. David and his men were staying in the recesses of that cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day 
I love this. Then the men of David, not David, then the men of David says, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into my hands that you may do to him as it, seems, as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Now, I've always loved that piece of scripture. It's always challenged me. It really has challenged me, that piece of scripture, but I've always loved it. I've always loved that piece of scripture. So we've got this thing now where the current king is trying to kill the new anointed king. And he has the opportunity. And his men said, go for it. Do it. Now's your opportunity. And David says, no, no, I can't touch the Lord's anointed. It's not my place to do that. I can't do that. So he stops his men from, uh, from killing King Saul. Now, I want to take just three points, if I may. Oh, I've got heaps of time. I want to take three points, if I may, um, of, or three tips, I should say, of, uh, of David and his brokenness and how it helped him to be the man he was. Is that cool? Three tips. Pretty simple ones. The first one is this. David knew his place. Ooh. David knew his place. I grew up in New Zealand when the, in a community of, of, of a small rural community, and in my culture, there is a very high, uh, there's a very well-known hierarchy, okay? In my culture, there's the elders, which is usually the grandparents, there's the parents, there's the children, which would be my generation, and then there'd be either the younger children or the children's children. You get what I'm saying? And in my culture... You knew your place. In my culture from a young age, I understood the concept of where I sat in that whole, in that whole hierarchy. You get what I'm saying? I knew my place. I knew that uh, when I was standing next to my grandparents and they were talking about certain things, it wasn't my place to actually interject and say something because wasn't, that wasn't my place. I just knew that. As a young kid, that's not my place. I also knew that when it comes to do things that were my realm of responsibility, like a little bit of work here, a little bit of work there, that was my, that was my place. And so I fulfilled that role with all that I could. Are you with me? So from a young age, I knew this concept of knowing where I sat in my community. I wasn't, didn't think more highly than I ought of. I didn't think more lowly than I ought of. I just, I knew where my place was. Are you get what I'm saying? And you see, David knew his place. You know, Wayne Bennett, oh, actually back to my, back to my, uh, back to my, my community, the beautiful thing is in my community, because everybody knew their place and fulfilled their roles in their place, there was a beautiful harmony. There was a massively beautiful harmony. And the good thing was, things got done quickly. When we said we're going to do that, when we all decided, and it was the top guy to decide it, not me. When they decided, hey, we're going to do this, bling, 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 we all knew our roles, we all did it, and things happened. It was an amazing thing. We, we accomplished so many things purely because people knew their place. They knew where they sat, okay? And it was a beautiful thing to grow up in that kind of environment. Wayne Bennett, as you know, the coach of the Brisbane Broncos, he says this. When someone asked him about what does it make to, to create a successful team like you have, he says three simple things. He says, I teach my players to, uh, where am I? I teach my players to know their position. 
says, you've got to understand what, what your position is. He says, I teach my players to accept their position. This is your role. This is what you've got to do. You've got to accept that this is your job on the field. And he says, and I teach my players how to, to I'll teach my players to play their position. So he says, you've got to know your position. You've got to accept your position. And he says, you've got to play that position. He says, it's no good if a fullback's trying to be a prop. It doesn't work. Or a prop's trying to be a winger. It doesn't work. Are you with me? He says, I give every single one of my players a position. I ask them to accept it and to do that role. He says, that is the power of a team that works. Know your position. Accept it. And he says, fulfill that role. Exactly like I was brought up. Woohoo. But the thing is, I must say, I am concerned about this current age. Woo, here I go. I'm concerned about this current age because I believe we, we've, somewhere along the line, we've skipped something. Somewhere along the line, we're at start point, but we want to be at finish point straight away. Somewhere along the line, we've discounted the, the importance of the journey. We want to fulfill this role here. Actually, nowhere near can, uh, are prepared to do it. But we have a current generation who feels this feeling of entitlement. You get what I'm saying? Um, this, this is not a criticism. This is a worry. This is a very big concern of mine. It really is in my heart when I see it. Because I see young people. I see young people who've given this position, but they want to do this position. I see older leaders. This, this is your role, but they want to do this role. Or they... So you get what I'm saying about that? We've, we've got an age of generation who, who haven't quite got grasped the concept of understanding where, you, where you're placed and fulfilling that role. Okay? We have a whole generation of young people growing up like that. They don't want to do the time. Okay? They don't want to do the time. They don't want to do the journey. So they want to be preachers instead of servants. You get, you get what I'm saying? They want to be leaders before they've learned how to follow. Yeah? They wanted the position before the character to hold the position. And they let... My warning is don't let pride and envy, ambition cause you to seek a place that you're not ready to inhabit. Don't let that happen. I love David. I love this thing. He knew his place. He says, look, I have been anointed. I have the ability. I have the character. I have all that kind of stuff. But he says, no, 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 he's still the king. He's still the anointed one of God. He says, I may have it. I've even been prayed into it. You may have been prayed into something. I may have it. I may have it there, but I still understand this one concept. And that God anoints and only God removes. Okay. God anoints and only God removes. Man doesn't remove someone from a godly position. Only God does that. David understood this. He understood that he knew his place. He said, this is my place and I will not act up, up, above it or beneath it. You get what I'm saying? My first point is this. Along your journey, along your journey to wherever you're going, understand where your place is currently. I'm not trying to push you down. No, I'm actually trying to get you... This will liberate you, believe it or not. It's an actually a very liberating thing when you understand where you sit and you operate in that realm. And when everybody does that, we have something sweet happening. When everyone operates in the realm that they've been given authority to operate in, something beautiful happens. It's called unity. Oh, oh. It's called unity. Only God appoints kings and only God removes them. He understood this. My second point is this. David never lifted his hand against his master. Now we know the story here. He says, uh, he cut off the robe, then he got convicted. And his mates are saying, mate, 
He's been doing all this kind of stuff. He's been chasing you around. He's been trying to kill you. He's been trying to throw spears at you. He's been calling you. He's falsely accusing you. He's been doing all these things under the sun. He says, come on, mate. Just get it done. Just throw a spear at him, would you? Just knock him off, would you? And I love that. I love that about David. And by the way, I'm not preaching this from a position where I've got it all down. Please know that. I'm not preaching this from a position where I've got it all made. I'm perfect. I don't don't grumble. I grumble with the best of them. I see your grumble and I'll raise 20, okay? Don't think that I'm I'm this perfect thing. I'm on the journey as well. I'm on the journey as well, but I I learn from these pieces of scripture. And um, so don't don't think, please, you know what I'm saying? Don't think I'm just like, hey, hey, you you guys are gonna get this sorted. No, this is me as well. I think we're gonna continue with this for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our Christian walk, for the rest of our journey is we're gonna struggle with these things, but eventually the purpose will come to pass once we've got them sorted. I love this. So he's been despised, he's been envied, he's been chased, he's been wrongly accused, he's had spears thrown at him, and all the time he was innocent. All the time David was innocent. He suffered persecutions and he had, and he had friends tell him it's okay. Mate, you've you got to kill him. He's, he's like crazy. What are you doing? Take him away. But this lovely thing is David says, no, no, I can't lift my hand against my master. Now, we all have bosses. We all have leaders. We all have parents. And I don't know if you've lifted your hand against your master, but I want to say this. Have you lifted your voice against them? I want to ask this question. Have you lifted your opinions against them? Have you lifted your opinions against your master? Have you lifted your voice against your pastor? Have you lifted your voice against your boss? Have you lifted your voice against your parent? Whatever it is, your teacher. I love it. David says, no, 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 no. He says, I'm not going to do it. He says, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to become, he's throwing spears at me, but I'd rather him kill me than me become a spear thrower too. Yeah? I'd rather him kill me than I become what he has become. His sole interest was to look after his own heart. His sole interest was to look after his own heart. I'm going to speed along, if that's okay. Uh, what is the kingdom worth if your heart is wrong? He could have taken the kingdom right there, but he says, no, 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 no. He says, no. Hey. And the last one is a broken person leads well. A broken person leads well. It says in, in this, in this uh, piece of scripture a little bit earlier that 400 men sought out David. 400 men come after David. They said, hey, let me follow you. 400 men. Isn't that beautiful? They sought him out. David didn't say, oh, I'm offended. I'm out of here. Bring people along with me. Come along. Let's go down my little road of offense. Everything. No, no, he went by himself and 400 people followed him. The beautiful thing is, is the broken man, who someone, a broken man or a broken woman who have gone down their path, who have gone down their journey, who have taken everything on the, on the chin, who have actually developed character, who've developed patience, who've developed grace. You get what I'm saying? Who've developed humility. They not need ask people to follow him, but people will anyway. People who have actually gone down their journey and have allowed the Lord to do his work in them, they never need, they never have to ask for people to follow them, but people will anyway. It's the very character of God that causes people to follow. I've got one more little line here, and it's this. Before I got a couple pages, but as a leader, 
your degree of brokenness, I want you to hear this, your degree of brokenness is directly proportionate to your ability to disciple effectively. Your degree of brokenness is directly proportionate to your capacity to disciple effectively. Are you with me on that? You catch that? Because when I'm broken and I have these, all these, I have a humility, I have grace, I have patience, the capacity in me to look after a larger number of people just, just comes. You know what I mean? When I'm not, when I'm unbroken and I'm short-willed and I'm witty and I'm angry and I'm, you know what I mean? My wicks, and you love us. Really, you can only, you don't have much capacity to disciple at all. Can I leave you with one, one line? And it's this. Sorry, I, I had to rush it at the last minute, guys. I was caught up in my stories. But it's just that, please never, ever forget the power of your journey. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever it is that's happening to your world right now, don't get off the path. It's all good. God is in control. God is in control. I'll write this one line down if you don't mind. It says this. It says, wisdom through obedience, perfection through humility. I'll say it again. Wisdom through obedience, perfection through humility. That's a little line that I say to myself. I get wise through being obedient and it's perfected through my humility. Let me just pray. Why don't we just stand to our feet if you wouldn't mind. Father in heaven, I thank you that you are in control. I thank you, Lord God, that whatever seems to be the mountain in front of us that's too much, you are the answer. I thank you, Lord God, that on our journey, we, we, get, hit, we get banged up. We get sorted out. But it draws us near to you. Father, I pray for every single person on their journey right now, today, that they would know that God is in control. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how hard it is, but I can tell you that God is in control. Don't take your eyes off your purpose. Don't take your eyes off your calling. Keep walking. God is in control. He's got you covered. I don't believe anyone's thrown a spear at you. I don't believe anyone's locked you up in prison. I don't believe anyone's sold you to slavery. Yet God was in control the whole time of those ones. Please hear me. God is in control of your purpose. God is in control of your future. And if you could take some lessons from David. If we as a body come together, we as a body understand where we stand, where our places, understand the power of our words, and we lead well with respect, we can do something amazing. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. 
For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ for all our days.